Hi, I'm Nate. I'm Noah. And this is our fourth chat of Talking Lion. We do these chats every week to just sort of catch up with each other, see our good and our bad, take a gander at our media consumption, yep, and just sort of check in to see how we're doing, check in to see how you're doing. So it's just these fun things that we're doing. So this is this is the fourth. Yeah. Before we dive in, just want to give a reminder that we have a Patreon as well. So if you want to be a supporter of the show, a subscriber of the show, help us keep this going and help our community as well, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash talking lion. I think that's pretty much all I got to say as far as that goes. How yeah. are you doing, bud? I'm doing okay. I'm a little tired today. Today's a sleepy kind of day. And we're going to have a sleep little podcast. So without further ado, this is Talking Lion. Hey, bud. Hey, buddy. We just had a burger. Yeah. Ooh, umami burger. Yeah. You know, an unsponsored plug for umami burger. That was just, that was delicious. I feel like a new person. I feel thoroughly rejuvenated. And I will say, umami burger's impossible burger is the best impossible burger I've had. You had an impossible burger. I had a kombucha. We are living the LA lifestyle. We were talking while we were eating it. Like, why do you think? You know, there were all the stereotypes we were hearing about LA. And you're then we moved to LA, like, you're going to do yoga, you're going to meditate, you're going to drink kombucha, you're going to eat. And I laughed. Keto diet. I laughed when like people said, you're going to do all these things. And now I'm doing all these things. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. You're a Roman. You know, why all of a sudden do we like to change who we are when I we think, moved to LA? I think there's something about California as a culture and LA specifically. I think it's just a very wellness focused culture. I think people take health and wellness very seriously. And it's like very tied into the general ethos of of living in LA and the people you're surrounded by. And I you think you get the options. You're like, oh, we actually have good vegan food. Yeah, that's like that part it of it is, too. You know? It's like yeah, it's, it's so much part of the culture that you actually have places to go to that can satisfy the needs of more health focused dietary choices. And there's like a yoga shop, a yoga shop, like a yoga studio on every We're gonna corner. sell you some yoga. You want to buy a yoga? <laughs> buy you, a get one, yoga. you get one can of yeah, yoga. One can of yoga. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. Well, and outside of New York, you were saying like New York's more like a time management thing. And New York's probably, you know, New York New York has evolved over the years yeah. to just be more almost LA like. Yeah, but. I think I think New York and LA culturally are definitely fed into each other. But I, I do feel like New York, the thing you tend to hear about New York from from people who spend a lot of time in New York is like, it's like about the quote unquote hustle. I've heard that a lot from people like, oh, like New York is all about like jam pack, like starting your sessions really early and like jam packing your days full of stuff. And I feel like that culturally, like there's less time and less incentive for people to like meditate. Whereas everything happens at a slower pace in California. Which like when we first came here, we were like, oh yeah, you know, that's our edge. We're going to like move at a faster pace and like fuck the slow pace and like whatever. And now I feel we've both kind of embraced like, oh, the reason why that's the thing that's kind of like one out is because it feels kind of better. Like yeah. I feel almost more productive when I can like rest, relax, ease into something and then like, okay, now I'm working. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think especially as a creative, when you let things take, take their time and you're not so regimented about like forcing ideas, like, yeah, you can get a lot done if you like are military about your, your tasks. But there's also, I think like 
creative ideas that only evolve when they have breathing room. And I think that like LA, it just does that to you. I love being asked like how I deal with writer's block because yeah. that's not something that I've ever put like a name to ever. Because it's just, I just don't write if I don't feel like it, you know? Yeah. Like you can't hit writer's block if you're not pushing up against the wall. I feel like letting the creative ideas, like turning the little, I turn the switch in my head. Like I'd like to write something today or this week or something. I turn yeah. that switch on. And so I look around and see and, and let that kind of filter open. But I don't, I, I've never like sat down, like now I'm going to write. It's one o'clock on a Wednesday. I'm going to write. Yeah. Cause that, that doesn't always work. Like you can, you can force yourself to write something, but it, it's not always good, especially if you're forcing yourself. And what sessions really are is like a sort of inspiration machine. It's just yeah. three people who are not necessarily forcing themselves to write, but saying, it'd be really nice if we could come up with something. What's on your mind? Oh, what's on my mind? Let's take a walk. Like it's sort of, I don't know, accelerating that process, I think, yeah, in a it's nice way. Like, it's not rocket science, haha, but it is like building a spaceship or like like flying a spaceship, I guess. Like you've got to get produce enough energy to escape the earth, the gravity of the earth. And I feel like, like is the gravity in this just like general tiredness and fatigue like general and, tiredness, but also like the um the the legs of a creative idea. Like I think that like it, when you're making something by yourself, it requires more energy to escape the gravity of like this is not anything. Like there's always that threshold when you like pass and it's like this is a real like song. Like this this song has a beating heart or it has legs or it's like started to form into a real idea. And that's just a lot easier to achieve with people because everyone's kind of like bouncing the ball back and forth. Well, and it really, I think oftentimes it just takes one inspired person. Like I yeah. think it's really, I, I think it's very hard not to write a song um, when there's at least one inspired person person in the room. Yeah. Whereas like if everybody in the room who's trying to write a song is just like blah for the day, then you're not going to get yeah. anything, you know? I feel like when you're just by yourself, you are as good as your level of energy. Whereas like when you're in a room full of people, I think whoever has the most energy winds up um, inspiring everybody else to yeah. have that same level of energy. Well, on that uh, note of collaboration, mm. I'm working on my segues on these chats, but yeah. I don't know where you're going, but that was pretty good, I'm, I'm assuming. Well, two sides. There's this uh, segue of support. We have uh, our first Talking Lion supporter, Alan oh, yeah. C., uh, who submitted a question for us for our chat. Okay. So that's the first one. And it's about our collaboration. Okay. Okay. So there's the, there's the, the two-sided. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the question is... <clears throat> How did you guys decide on making music together? Were one of you reluctant at first, or were you both excited about the idea? Huh? Can I answer this first? Yeah, because go for I, it. I'm really. <laughs> I've I've known the question for a couple hours. You are just getting it I'm now. Let me give it a think. Um. Well, we first started making music together, sort of just by like circumstance. You were down the hall from me, and your door was always open. Because you had two doors and one couldn't lock. Yeah. And my roommates would go to bed early, so I would just like wander into your room. Um, oftentimes just to do homework. You would play guitar or piano, and occasionally we would do like Bon Iver covers. And I had like a folk project kind of going on. So you kind of joined that as like the drummer. I didn't even know you didn't play. Like You were like, I'll play drums. Like, yeah, I, I, used, I used to be a drummer, so I was like, that I can fill that role. Yeah, but we never really kind of did that. To answer the question the way I think is interesting, and I love this sort of reluctant question, mm -hmm. is that I don't think I went into the collaboration reluctantly because, I one, I knew my limitations. Two, I didn't really know you. Yeah. Like, if anything, we went into this collaboration not as friends or not as, like, friends that we would become. Yeah. It was it was two, for, like, pragmatic forces of we could probably do this 
together better than we could do it separately. And then we became friends like over, over time. Yeah. But I think what I wish I knew going into it that I feel like, you know, we're still, that we still like kind of foundationally had to work on or like have worked on is just, I didn't know what it, being in a duo would entail. Yeah. No, I didn't know either. You know, like I think I knew that we would make work together and like everything, but I'd been in a duo in high school and what that duo was, was he was super reluctant to be in it. And so I would just have to do everything. And he was just kind of like, I mean, no slight to him. He had other things going on, but it was just like, he was playing drums and I was doing everything else. And just realizing just, I think one of the most inspiring things over the last couple of years is just realizing how talented and how much you have to say and how like how much of a strong voice you have when I can shut up. <laughs> I think that I like, I think that going into this, I wish I knew what it meant to just be, to be in a duo. Didn't mean I'm doing everything and somebody's helping make that happen. It means giving space to let both voices like ring in a nice way. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I would say I didn't necessarily go into anything reluctantly. I think after my first semester of Berkeley where I didn't do a whole lot of anything, my, my push going into whatever that year was, 20, it was 20, 2015, six, well, going into 2015, still going, into, yeah. going into 2015, I think I was just like, I just wanted to say yes to everything. I just wanted to join I just wanted to be in a bunch of collaborations. So like my internal drive was just like, I'm just going to like make a bunch of music and working with you just happened to be one of the things that I end up falling into. Cause you were in another band at the time too, right? Yeah. I like, I, I was, I was in that video game choir. I joined, I was keyboardist for like an Italian pop band. I was in like a prog rock band for a while that I like went to rehearsals for. Like I was, there was a period where I was doing a lot of stuff and sleeping line was just one of the things I happened to be doing, but then it sort of slowly took up more and more time. And I was, I mean, I feel like we, like we had that first writing session where we tried to like c- collaborate on lyrics. And I think we just, there was no framework for understanding there. We're just like, all right, well, they're not going to do that anymore. Uh, and then we just, I focused on music and you focused on lyrics and that kind of naturally fell into a groove and I didn't really have issues with that. And it, yeah, it was all very intuitive and, and natural starting out. We just had a lot of similar musical interests and had a kind of similar like young, scrappy and hungry <laughs> appreciation for the new wave of electronic music and a kind of... Uh, uh, I don't know what the, the adjective is, like a sort of she, a slow uh, realization that we actually liked pop music. The oh, yeah. The slow, creeping, uh, sheepish admittance that like we like. Like the gauntlet was thrown, but we didn't, we weren't aware of it. Like yeah. that we were in, we were getting into pop music because the stuff we were making and the people that we were surrounding ourselves with were moving towards that. Yeah. And the, and the, with it, the sort of creeping feeling that I had actually liked pop music all along. That we'd both like, the, <laughs> like the, learning to accept that pop music is actually cool. I think we kind of went on that journey together because I think we both went into Berkeley a little bit on our high horses of whatever we were coming from. For me, what stands out in this sort of early days of us was not so much the "You Made Me" writing session, like when we just that sort of came to be, which I found the voice memo of. Whoa, it's that's crazy. Wild. Maybe I'll toss it in here. One. You made me love the quiet hum Wait till the morning sun, the morning sun You made me love Da-da-da-da-da-da-da Wait till the morning sun Oh, oh, you made me love The things I love Wrong. Wait, wait. No, what are we to work out? You made me love 
Cool. Whoa, that would be insane. That's so far back. Um, so that's like five years ago. Yeah, but like, what actually stands out is hearing like your first demo of Generous because mm. you essentially made Generous on your own. Yeah, you know, in your own kind of world and vacuum. But I heard something, and then that was kind of, that became a lot of our collaboration, which is like you have all these ideas, and then I would sort of just pick. My favorite parts of the ideas yeah. and stuff. I do remember you telling me a story though of like when you made a decision that like this was the thing versus yeah. like yeah there was definitely there was a particular moment I remember being like yeah this is there what this sleeping line is the thing I'm gonna put the most of my energy into like this seems like all of the factors that have coalesced in this like the business plan and the creative side of it like this feels like the project that has the most likes like this seems like something that. I could actually like invest a lot of time into and get something out of. And there was a very clear moment where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna like make this, like try to make this a thing and give this all I've got and not like hold back and be like, oh, I'm gonna like do other stuff. Like I'm gonna like give my creative output to this, to this entity. As far as you and I go, if you if we could go back five years or you could pull yourself aside five years ago, is there anything you would do differently or any sort of advice you would give huh. him about what it means to be in a duo? Mine's easy. I'd just be like, shut the fuck up, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think mine would mine would mine would be speak up more and also just like just be less precious about about ideas. And like maybe less precious about quality. But hey, where would we have been if we didn't fight about we didn't quality? Fight about quality. Yeah, we like we was, would fight about we genuinely argue like until five in the morning about like what quality meant like conceptually. And what, yeah, what how how much it matters, like how you know, like the the, the art versus commerce, like if a song is good enough, it'll cut through the noise. Versus like the, there's at a certain well, point, because you you were hard quality and I was hard marketing. Yeah. But like what we came to discover both by doing it and by like having the argument eight different ways over the course of two years or three years was that like both are a little true. Yeah, you know, like it's obviously always going to be a balance of marketing and quality, which I think we were just like too young to like realize that things didn't have to be black and white. Like yeah. things could be, you know, like there weren't binary answers to what a hit is. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that would be the advice I'd give to my younger self. Be like, deal less in absolutes. Only a Sith deals in absolutes, which is itself an absolute statement. You ever think about that? Like the, the when 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 the Jedi are like only Siths steal in absolutes. Like you Dude, you started your sentence with only. Well, like I really I, maybe that's like part of, <laughs> and you know, we're a couple of days from uh, May the Fourth be with you. Oh, true. But um, I think it showed the sort of like short sidedness of the, the the Jedi. If anything, it was like a heavy-handed writing piece of like, oh, the Jedi claimed that the Sith were all these things, and they were also sort of like all of these things. Yeah, Anakin did nothing wrong. I mean, he killed children. Yeah, but can you blame? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Can we? Can we? Can we? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go on the record and say killing children is bad. (laughs) Killing killing children. But hey, maybe we should watch Clone War and get more more context. I honestly have considered it. People say it's good. It seems good. And on that note, yes. TV shows. TV shows. We watched a pretty good TV show this week. We did. We blew through it. We are big fans of Say with Me. Three, two, one, Dave. Dave. Oh, come Uh, on. We could have done that. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, better. Dave. FX. X, <laughs> we watched it on Hulu. We just kind of tore through it. Yeah, it's just like popcorn. You know, I've been hesitant about watching it because I, I like Little Dicky, but also like to watch hours of Little Dicky. I was like, I don't, I don't know. And then Friends 
in music just kept suggesting, and I don't necessarily love music shows. Yeah, I think they're they're hard to watch, especially because they feel very disjointed from what our real life is. It, I imagine doctors watching medical shows probably yeah. feel similarly. It's just like that's not that would never happen, or like that just doesn't feel like what the real thing feels like. It pulls you out of it. Like if you're too close to the if you're too close to music, it's hard to watch like musicians in in media or but I feel like that's what Atlanta yeah. did right is that Atlanta one had like a cool sort of surrealist yeah. like tinge to the whole thing like tone to the whole thing but it also like Gambino knows the music industry so yeah, that early come up vibe is effortlessly like he didn't have to there was no translation involved in having to understand what that culture was like cuz he's like a genuine part of that culture and i felt that way about dave like yeah. it was what was so interesting and obviously like at first there were like you know the dick jokes and like the kind of semi bro like humor but as it it progressed what was so cool about the show was that it felt so close to home about yeah. like what that hustle meant what it meant to like be kind of like close to and like friendly with people who were doing well but not quite there and also then like the relationship that you have to juggle through that and having your best friend also be your manager like there was so many things to unpack they dealt with mental illness in a really like nice packet neat packaged way people are saying that that's the episode the hype man episode episode five that's the episode that people need to get to to understand that this show has like its heart it's like the the, that second to last episode of the first season of bojack Mm. where it's like oh this is not just a comedy this is like this is somebody's life it feels very lived in. It's a very lived in show. I feel for anybody who's written the show off, let this be your call to just give it a shot. Yeah, give it a go. Check it out. It's worth it. I think, I, you know, Dave Bird, Lil Dicky really did the work to make this um, a special show. You know? Yeah. You're the choir. I'm, pe- I'm preaching to you, but I'm, I'm really talking to yeah, you, I mean, as, you fellow listener. But I, I, yeah, I will say, as I, went in, I went in skeptical, thinking like this is going to be like an ego trip. It's going to be like... Little Dicky just being like, look how cool my life is. And there's like twinges of that, but it feels earned. Like he, he gives you enough. There's good characters. The dialogue is really well written. He's talented, but like also he, I, I feel like he plays on the fact that like he needs his people. Yeah. All the characters are really nuanced. They have depth to them that is just carried through in the writing and the acting. And it's really refreshing to, to go through. What is something new and something old? listen to something new i found this rapper named warren is yellow it's one word it came up on my discover it has a song called candy shop that came on discover and i was just listening to the whole record he's got a record called sugar town it's like a fun slightly emo rap record that like rides the line of being like a little campy but it's it all the beats are really cool and like have a lot of like quirky sound design and they're just really fun and his lyric writing is really interesting. Kind of reminds me of like Tokyo or a little bit of like uh, Javon, like the, oh, cool. the yeah, yeah. like the Javon record with Lido. Like it's got that kind of flavor to it. And it was just like a nice, you know, record that came out pretty recently that I discovered. And I'm like, that was just a nice, I was taking a drive through the record on it. I'm like, yeah, that was a nice, it was an enjoyable and interesting music experience. Well, speaking of Lido, my new is JoJo's record, uh, specifically Thinking About You. Yeah, that's a great song. That song is so good. I mean, I've Loki been a JoJo fan for a minute now. Um, but I just find the way that her and Lido collaborated on the record, but specifically on this song to be really special. It's just, it's tight writing. The production's minimal, but like really impactful, which Lido's always been good at, but I just feel like Jojo, they brought out the best in each other on this record. And I think it's really cool to kind of hear, hear two styles that I'm like really familiar with gel in such a nice way. Yeah. What's your old? What's my old? Oh, I, uh, I was thinking about this. I think 
breaking with the old jazz records that I've been listening to, I've been recently revisiting the second Arctic Monkeys record, Favorite Worst Nightmare, Ooh. which is a really formative record for me, especially when I was like 15, 16. It's been really interesting going back to a record like that that I listened to so much that was really like influential on in how I write lyrics and like just my conception of like what a fun, energetic song is. And it's just interesting to like reflect on music that was so formative uh, with the new lens that I have, like having been doing this for a long time. Well, on a similar vein, we're just, we're just ping-ponging. This is like a, boop, boop. it's like a, a, like call, a call us Atari. We're, we're playing pong. pong. We're playing pong. We're playing Toss pong. Back. The other day we were working on a song and you brought up the exhale output plugin and the way that that like initialized patch sounded like reminded me of this song that we listened to back at school oh, yeah. called The Hymn of Axiom by Vienna Tang. Um, I don't know what her career has been like or if she ever kind of like popped off, but she had this one song that was Imogen Heap inspired, like hide and seek inspired. That was a hymn and lyrically at first it starts really sweet, but it turns into this song about data collection mm. and about like algorithms learning how to like make you kind of fall in love with consumerism. And it gets like from voices that sound like a choir to this like modulating, very kind of like digital sounding vocoder and just grows into this like really dissonant kind of choir. And, you know, I, I didn't necessarily grow up with hymns and, and sort of church music because I'm, I'm Jewish, but just kind of like hearing that harmony for the first time when I was in school really hit me and just hearing it again was like a nice kind of nostalgia yeah. trip for me in the midst of us working on some songs. I I don't necessarily have a great segue for this one, but what is something cool that uh, you kind of saw or learned this week? Oh yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, this morning, out of curiosity, I, I don't know, I don't know why, but I woke up with this, <laughs> this thought of, I wonder if Echo Park is in GTA 5. Because it struck me that I had never played Grand Theft Auto 5. I haven't played it really since moving to Los Angeles. And... I had the thought of wanting to like, now that I have experience like being in Los Angeles and driving Los Angeles, like what does, how, how well did Rockstar capture the feeling of the city? Uh, so I, I woke up this morning and like fired up GTA five and like looked on the internet and found that there's actually a place called mirror park, which I think is a really funny, you know, mirror echo. Like it's, it's, it looks like Echo Park. They even have the sign that has a little leaf with the <laughs> like the like, lotus thing. Yeah, like the little LA Parks and Rec like sign. Like that like looks accurate. It's kind of in the Uncanny Valley because it doesn't entirely like follow the structure of Echo Park, but it, it they captured the flavor of like what actually walking around Echo Park is like. And I think that's really interesting. Better like, than like Fallout in Boston. Yeah, like Fallout Four did not necessarily feel like Boston in the in a in the way that Fallout Three felt like like Washington D.C. in like a really tangible kind of way. It's very, it's very hard to capture the vibe of a city in like, in like a 3D format. But it is like it, when game developers nail it, it's really cool because it's like something you can't really get out of any other medium than like a video game. Like being able to virtually explore a space and the vibe of a space that you know actually exists in the real world. I feel like New York has has actually done pretty well as far as faithful video game that recreations. Um, Grand Theft Auto Four and Spider Man, the game. Yeah. I know. I really enjoyed it. Obviously, like Brooklyn tends to get the short end of the stick when it comes to these games, but I feel like <laughs> you know the big stuff like Times Square and everything feel really big and feel yeah. really faithful to to that. Uh, yeah, whereas Boston and Fallout was egregious. 
Like that the was commons just, is too small, and just, uh, there's just Walden. You could walk across in like thirty seconds. Yeah, like, the whole, it was like it, the Greater Boston area, like scrunched into a tiny map. It just felt really weird for anyone who's familiar with the actual geography. I'm trying to think of like other other things. Like, well, my question is, did you ever play? Oh yes, Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. You saw where I was going. Yeah, I did see where you were going with that. Yeah, it's, I, that's another interesting one that that I had fun with when I. Because I, I played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood while I was in Rome. And obviously it's Rome in like the 15, 1600s. But I remember going around trying to find where my house would have been. And it was just like a field. Because that's, I think, pretty accurate, like what it would have been. At a certain point, it was just like a, a more like hilly rural part of Rome before it got developed in the like, I think in like the, the more like the re, like after the Renaissance. I think new listeners are learning that you grew up in Rome. This is a this is and the information is floating yeah, around there somewhere. Around but there. if you it's don't a, if you don't know now you know. We are we are New Yorkers and Romans. This is yes. that's New Yorkers and Romans. Just a couple of imperialists. Just, oh god. <laughs> yeah, good. I, I would say both New York and Rome have a similar um, flavor of culture insofar as they both have the like vibe of a high school quarterback <laughs> who is four years removed from being in high school. It's like you used to be the hottest like thing on campus. And now you maybe say you, shit on our own podcast. No, just hottest shit. Didn't, I didn't feel like it fit there. You could be like the, 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 you you were the warmest shit. turd. You were the warmest back in the day, but now you're you're constantly clinging to the fort. Maybe Rome more so than than New York, but there's there's something about that. Yeah, I mean, like, New Yorkers never lost a whole empire. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, I don't mean to like. You no, know, I mean that's but, that's fair. Yeah. And that's, that, but that's the thing. That's such a part of Roman culture that they like. You feel that in modern day. Wait, Rome. Did, like people wake up like, "Fuck, we used to have an empire." No, you know? it's, like, it's, it's more the, just the spirit that created such an an empire that was so great, but also so fell apart so spectacularly is very much still present in the culture. Like there's an arrogance and like a and a confidence and like a like a sense for like beauty and power that you're like you see one why these people. This this culture of people ruled the world, but also why they 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 fucked it up. Basically, I, I was thinking about New York in that same respect, and I feel like New York was sort of like this modern drive. Yeah. in the U.S., like there was a modernism about living in New York, it was the like, greatest city in the world. Yeah, there's like thoroughly modern Millie. There's Great Gatsby. Like there was something very like if you lived in New York, there was a modernness about you. Yeah, you know, you were breaking the rules. You were whatever. But now that the world is modern, I feel like. Like New Yorkers still have this somewhat kind of like elitism, as far as like oh we are, we are just slightly faster, we're slightly smarter, or whatever. Yeah. I feel a New York elitism on a regular basis. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like it comes from the sort of history of what New York was in the context of what it is now, where everybody's kind of. I mean, rural areas are still rural areas, but I feel like cities are all somewhat more similar. You were saying at the beginning. Yeah. LA and New York are somewhat just similar at this point because we can all just communicate to each other about what it means to be modern. Yeah. Oh, well, the cool thing that I saw, this is not as cool as your thing, though you're two for two with video game stuff. Yeah, that is um, interesting. I was, I've been biking around a lot and there are like steps in Echo Park that had these like balloons with a very specifically sort of drawn face. And as I was biking around like Silver Lake area, I uh, found more spots that this specific street artist had actually like like painted signs and walls and stuff with these similar faces, including a TV with Ooh. the face painted on the TV inside cool. a shop. Wow. So this is like a like a East Side artist That's that is cool. making their mark. 
Um, I don't know anything more about that, but maybe I'll post on our Instagram story what it is. Yeah, maybe someone knows. Maybe we can sleuth, you know? What's the uh, last picture that was on your camera roll? It is, oh, it's a picture of, of Adam, or my friend Adam, blowing out his birthday candles in our driveway, six feet apart. Quarantine times. What's the last picture in your camera roll? So uh, for, without saying too much, for the promotion of our next single, uh, we're kind of looking back at older photos. And one of them, um, and this is the last one that was in my role, is, was actually taken at the hi-hat by our friend Mackenzie Mothica. Oh, yeah. And it's me just sort of blurry, just like kind of walking, but it looks really kind of like weird. Spooky. Um, but I'm remembering just looking at this photo that actually it was taken... Uh, on the day that I bumped into Halsey for the second time. Because huh. she was at that show and we had like a proper catch up there. So I'm just like, I was looking at it and just sort of reminded of this uh, cool memory of of stuff. But yeah, we're going to be using this photo for something in the near future. What is your high and low of the week? I was thinking about this. I was, I'm having trouble with this one because I feel like this week has been just the most normal fine week all things considered in all of this, I feel like we're finally starting to get a routine down and every day has been pretty much the same of just like, we really got a routine. Really, just, we've we've just never do, had for five years. Yes. Yeah, so like some, some degree of consistency of been waking up and eating meals and vaguely taking care of myself and just watching content. I can't really point to a moment that felt low in that, but I also can't point to a, a moment that felt particularly high in it. So I, it, there's something to be said for for routine things evening out. I don't know yet. I don't, I don't really know what to say for a low. I, similarly, like I have for my low, just like intermittent anxiety. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's kind of the low point is just feeling like oh uh, everything's kind of like talking to my parents, being like oh like they're having a much harder time with this than I am, and feeling kind of like you know I don't even know what the the feeling is there, like a sadness or like an empathy, but. You know, that's that's like a passing feeling. Yeah, I, I feel like if you're just alone, like long enough, like we go through the cycles of our own chemistry, yeah. whatever that may be, you know, the, the good and the bad of it. Um, I had a couple of highs. I always have a couple of highs. I, I, I'm really bad at like determining what is the yeah. the highest of the highs. And yeah. I don't like classify because they're highs for different reasons. So I know it's like, what's your, so instead of what's your high and low, we could do highs and lows. Highs you know? and lows. Has, it's like a like a nice little slopey slope. <laughs> yeah. Starting most recently is today's my best friend's birthday. It's Luke's yeah. birthday, so we had like a FaceTime. We actually surprised him <laughs> with a FaceTime. Nice. We've surprised each other over the years, like by flying out and like by stuff. And they came to LA before all this started. They came to LA for my birthday. So David and I, it's it's the three of us. We surprised him with a FaceTime today, and we had like a nice catch up. So that was a high. The other high is I love when we get the art for stuff right. Mm -hmm. And between our next single and Gaming Lion, there was like two kind of like art epiphanies that happened this week that wound up getting executed in such a cool way. Yeah. So I'm like excited for everybody to see the art that we kind of put out alongside our stuff because that's not necessarily our wheelhouse. It's more your wheelhouse than mine for sure. But when you come up with like an art thing that like is cohesive and feels yeah, right. It's a good feeling. Remember when we were talking about coming up with the art for the single and I, I said like, when it's right, it'll feel right. Yeah, the right thing always feels right. The right thing is the thing that makes you like, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. You can't be lukewarm about the right thing. If you're like, oh, yeah, it's like, it's not, it's not right. It's not the thing. And then my last tie is that uh, 
I'm TikTok famous, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a one video that has just passed 120,000. <laughs> I hope fame doesn't change you. It already has, <laughs> man. You know, I'm uh, I'm not drinking kombucha. <laughs> That's what did it, is the TikTok fame. It was the TikTok fame. You're going to leave to join the Hype House? Yeah, actually, I, my bags are packed right now. No, I, I just, I wanted to sort of do this, right? And like, just get it, like understand it. I think what I like about this video is it came from a genuine appreciation of the type of content that was out there on TikTok. Yeah. And it was like, I was interacting with it in a very genuine way. And so people are also interacting with it in a genuine way. Like it doesn't feel like we're a band trying to make a TikTok. It feels like I appreciate this sort of culture and I've done the sort of homework of yeah. like like understanding the sort of authenticity of it and the and mixed with the kind of brandingness of it and found like a happy medium that people are resonating with. So yeah, just nice that like, you know, they say like the proof is in the pudding. I'm like, I, I set out to kind of do this properly. And it's nice that like something is actually reacting yeah. for once the way that my, uh, my like sort of goals have kind of like aligned with it. What are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? Um, as always, I'm looking forward to the songs that we're currently working on. We just finished up uh, a, a single and that always feels good. And I'm looking and a forward. remix. And a remix. Yeah, actually, are, are the next two things pretty much that we're putting out are both things that I'm pretty excited for. And I'm, you know, it's always nice to, with, with every release, it's always nice to feel like there's we're putting more of ourselves out into the world and there's more of us for people to find and interact with and hopefully have a relationship with. And like the more of that that is out there that I'm proud of, the, the happier I am. So I'm excited for our releases. I think you stole mine because I'm also <laughs> really excited about those releases. Like yeah. I think I think we've always had a bit of a complicated, if not contentious, relationship with the music we've put out. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard. It's hard to like feel 100 about the music you're working on, it's, and just compromises with time often. Yeah, you know, that's a huge part. And I think now just we've we really were able to get everything we wanted on these records and take the time to make it right. We're still kind of taking the time to make it right. Yeah. And but this feels like the least rushed. Like I feel like with every release we get, we get a little bit better at being on top of like actually allocating the time to put, you know, to put the focus and like make it something that we really feel good about. And hit the dumb notes. Like I've been coming to you with the dumb notes. Yeah. Like with like that F is like off. But then we go yeah, in and like, like there's the fade. Things like, 10 milliseconds. Cause like that stuff does make a difference to the overall picture of something. But even like, you know, to the overall and and I know that like my sort of internal monologue is like, oh, somebody's gonna hear that and like that's gonna be the thing that takes them out. I think just because we're all editors, like you and I are just editors. Yeah. When we listen to our own music, when there's something that we had to let slide because of the timing, like we because we had to let it go and yeah. and leave us, I think it takes us out of our ability to actually listen to and enjoy our music. Yeah, very much. I know true. people often ask, like, do you like listening to your stuff? And I I say like one or two songs I can listen to throughout without skipping, but oftentimes I'll hear the thing that I wish we changed and know that we can't. And that's not how you want to feel listening to music. Yeah in general, let alone the thing that's out in the world representing you. But, you know, listening back to this new single, not only does it feel great and like this like nice song that that I won't have a qualm with listening yeah. to later, but also it, you know, we did it with our friend Miette, who we've known since day one of Berkeley for the last six years. And it feels like a kind of like beautiful mark of of a long friendship. Yeah. It's really cool. So Excited about it's a thing it. To look forward to. Hey, the song's called Balance. We don't have to. We don't have to beat around the bush. It's called Balance. It's yeah, coming out. You heard it here first, folks. It's called Balance. It's called Balance. You know, and it's. I think you might like it. We hope you like it. I think that's a. Wrap. I think that's a. That's, I think a, that's, that's, a, a, that's a. That's a. Is this a? Is this something 
you could order easily at a deli because that's, that's a, a wrap. wrap. Well. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, a reminder that we have a Patreon. And every piece of support helps. So if you want to ask us questions, that's the way to do it. And tune in Sunday for our interview with our next artist. Keep listening and keep your ear out for new music and new projects from us. Thank you again for listening and have a wonderful week. I'd like to thank Alan C. for supporting Talking Lion on Patreon and Isotope.